everyone. Welcome once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. We are now dropping our preview show with you. So the preview show, this is where we go through the best of the most recent previews books, DC, Marvel, Indie. Pick out all the titles that we're looking forward to most, showcase a few starting points for people and of course introduce you to all the new titles that we're looking forward to. So as ever, your host is Alan from uh, Coffee and Heroes and joined as always by Mr. Marvel, Keith. Good evening, sir. Uh, and a good evening to you, higher tricks. We are all good, and we I always really enjoy the previews pods. I mean, it's it's a strange industry, comics. You know, it's you have to get people hyped for things that aren't out for months on end. But that's why you put different systems in place. I think as a comic reader, whether it's creative teams that you like, characters that you like, maybe you're an events person, maybe you just prefer trades, maybe there's a genre of indie comics you prefer. So it's always a weird one, I think, when you're uh, you're trying to recommend stuff to people, especially when sometimes you don't want to have things spoiled as well by reading too far ahead in previews. But uh, it's a necessary system. Uh, it, it allows basically the, the companies to, to get a feel for how many copies of, you know, titles to print, you know, how long print runs should be, that kind of thing. So uh, it's, I think it's always important for us to get that information out there and, you know, keep you guys as, as, as informed as possible. So that is what we will be doing today. And uh, as ever, we'll be going through the books individually, DC, Marvel, Indie. You can find the DC solicitations online easily enough. Go to DC Connect, that's C-O-N-N-E-C-T, and you'll find a digital catalog. Marvel don't have a dedicated digital catalog, but you can go to the Newsarama website and just search Marvel June 2022 solicitations. You'll find a, a really good in-depth uh, list there. And then with the indie stuff as well, Newsarama do put stuff out for that as well. Feeling that, of course, you can just call into the store. We always have the physical copies of the books up by the counter. You're more than welcome to take them, have a wee sit down, a flick through, and, and let us know of anything that uh, anything that appeals to you. So the DC book this month is, is very heavily event-orientated, and this might be a current theme across some of the books, but there's not tons and tons of new titles here, but we are very much jumping headfirst into DC's big event, and you know DC means business when the word crisis comes out. Uh, so it's uh, going to be a, an event called Dark Crisis, which we'll certainly get to in a moment. But there's uh, one or two little tie-in series to it as well. As well as that, they're going to be celebrating Pride Month with uh, their usual uh, annual anthology, as well as one or two other titles there as well. There's some great trades in here, including a, a trade of one of our personal favorite titles, I would say, of the last few years. Uh, as Keith becomes a fully paid up uh, member of the Cult of King, which we will certainly get to as well. One or two nice omnibuses in there as well. And it rounds out, a, for me, a relatively quiet DC month, but I say that just because there's no new Batman titles. How does that Marvel book look? Yeah, I mean, it's it's much the same in that uh, June is, you know, it only means one thing in comics, and that's, you know, event season. Uh, and so Marvel's not going to be uh, left behind uh, DC in that. So we've got, I think, two fairly big events uh, coming up, uh, certainly kicking off in June. Uh, first of those, which we'll, uh, we'll talk about a little more in depth later, is AXE. That's Avengers, X-Men and Eternals uh, Judgment Day. Uh, Kieran Gillen's heavily involved in that. Uh, and that uh, is... Well, it's already been teased in, in the Eternals book and, and uh, the Avengers book, to a lesser extent the X-Men book, but it's going to put the, the mutants right in the uh, right in the target line of the Eternals who uh, want to, to wipe them out, thinking that mutants are uh, a kind of a, a progeny of their enemies, the Deviants, 
and the Avengers are going to be caught right in the middle of that because um, their headquarters is inside the corpse of a celestial, uh, which is the the god of Eternals, the gods of Eternals. So that's so obviously everybody's aware of that. Haven't seen the movie uh, last year and and so forth. So that's the first big event. The second big event is an annual event uh, that we became familiar with last year, and that's the Hellfire Gala. Uh, so the 2022 Hellfire Gala will be will be kicking off now. Last year that had huge ramifications for the X Men. In fact, they had their inaugural Hellfire Gala, Gala marked by terraforming an entire planet, uh, where they took Mars and made it into the planet Araco. So, I mean that that put Jerry Dugan in charge really of the of the the X titles uh, taken over from Jonathan Hickman with the planet sized X Men. So, you know. With the groundwork that was laid last year, there's there's every reason to believe that this could be, you know, setting a new status quo and leading to to to, to a lot of fantastic new stories. So uh, a lot going on there. Um, we've also got a new Captain America book, which is also uh, always cause to, to to celebrate, especially with the creative team. Um, a new Daredevil book. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit later. And uh, yeah, I mean, plenty plenty going on with the the ongoing the ongoing series as well. Um, so yeah, not a not a quiet month for Marvel by any stretch of the imagination. What about indie? Well, with indie book, it's very very heavily dominated by Image Comics. I mean, I was just hearing my wallet crying looking at the Image section because there is so much good stuff. You know, creators that we you know consistently call out as some of our favorites are all launching new titles. You know, there's genres here that we're we're very very interested in. We've got an original graphic novel set within one of the most famous uh, comic worlds of all time, coming from Image. So much good Image stuff. I mean, the rest of the book there's really good stuff through it as well. Uh, you know, our favorite Tin Knight is making a return in a little anthology book. There's an original graphic novel that we got a little bit of an insight into when we interviewed Christian Ward recently in the podcast. You can find that interview uh, close by this one. Some good stuff from Aftershock as well. Quieter month for boom uh, a lot of good continuing stuff of course and something is killing the children universe and so forth but nothing new to that sink your teeth into there although just saying sink your teeth into there unless you're a buffy fan but you know that's <laughs> another one and then we have possibly the most blasphemous title of all time and we're both going to be on it so we will uh, <laughs> we will get to that later as well but we'll kick things off as well as do i mean before we kick off i should say uh with regards to orders here we have to send our order off by the 15th of April. Uh, so it gives you a good couple of weeks to go through the books, uh, see if anything uh, you know stands out for you. We can get it set up on a pull list for you or, or start you on a pull list if it's, a, it's something you're unfamiliar with. Just call in the store. We'll guide you through it. But uh, yeah, so 15th of April, just keep that in mind for it to be guaranteed. First print, release day, cover price, all the usual stuff. So yeah, as ever, we'll kick things off with DC. And as I say, and as Keith said, you know, June is very much event month in comics. You know, summer blockbuster events start. And with DC, their big one is Dark Crisis. So it's kicking off in June, but definitely keep an eye out for May because in May, there's going to be free comic book day. Free Comic Book Day is an annual event every first Saturday of um, May. Where the big companies, you know, not just DC and Marvel, but the big companies, Image, IDW, etc., etc., they'll put out a, a rake of free comics. Some of them are almost tasters for upcoming events, upcoming titles, and uh, comic stores will order those all in and run events on the day and all this kind of stuff. And I know there's going to be a Road to Dark Crisis free comic book day. So even if you're undecided by us chatting about it here, you can still maybe come to it in May if the, uh, the free comic book day does sway you. So... 
with Dark Crisis, I think this is the reason why Joshua Williamson has stepped away from Batman. And uh, I'm no doubt that the July solicitations will be massively concentrated on a certain uh, Chip Zdarsky taking over Batman. But I think the reason Joshua Williamson is moving away, and we've talked about this in reviews pods as well, is because he's going to become the guiding hand of the DC Universe. I mean... He's already low-key been doing it ever since Infinite Frontier, but I think this is possibly the event that elevates him to the big time. Not in our eyes so much, because let's be honest, the man's responsible for one of the best flash runs of all time, uh, mm-hmm. and as well as other great works with DC. But Dark Crisis number one is very much a June kickoff, and written by Joshua Williamson, the art and cover is by Daniel Samper, who if you've been reading action comics, you'll be very familiar with his work, you know, really pleasing character work, chunky, heroic looking characters, uh, and a very clean art style, which I know you'll certainly appreciate. You've got a rake of varying covers, a whole pile of them are free to order by the look of it. Uh, again, you can check this all out online, but you've covers from the likes of Greg Capullo, Jamal Campbell, and Hugh Lee, Bruno Redondo, uh, as well as some incentive ones as well. So you see the word crisis in a DC event, you know they mean business. So this is dark crisis. So the solicitation reads crisis and infinite earths, infinite crisis, final crisis, and now dark crisis. Hmm. They conveniently forgot about heroes in crisis. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the epic event years in the making is finally here. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and the rest of the Justice League are dead. The remaining heroes are left to protect the world from an onslaught of violent attacks by DC's greatest villains. Can the legacy heroes step out of the shadows of the classic heroes to form a new Justice League? And will that be enough to stop a greater darkness than anything they've ever faced from destroying everything? Don't miss out on the first issue of the blockbuster event of the summer. So there is a part of me that thinks this is maybe taken from the remnants of that sort of 5G that was rumoured for a while. Uh, I remember when Dan DeDio was in charge of DC that there was going to be this 5G event where essentially there was going to be a new Batman, which for all intents and purposes, we still got a title out of the next Batman, J.S. Fox, which is which is a great title. You know, we've got a Superman, Son of Kal-El with Jonathan Kent stepping up. We've got Wally West back as the Flash as opposed to Barry Allen. So certain bits and pieces are already in place and this feels to me like the natural move on now. What they have said is that this event will take place a little bit in the future. So this isn't going to be a case of this event runs and all the other titles are disturbed. You know, Batman is still going to be there as Batman. Superman, Son of Kal-El will continue as is, etc, etc, etc. But I'm looking forward to this as an event. I mean, I I find, I mean, obviously I'm a DC fan, so these events rarely, you know, disappoint. But what I find with DC events, and you can correct me on this if you feel differently, but what I like about DC events is they tend to be one a year. They don't really tend to do three, four. I think sometimes... Marvel can be a little guilty of doing too many events in a year and they maybe lose their power a little bit. Whereas if you have one big event to look forward to, this is events like this are aimed at maybe the kid who doesn't have loads of disposable income and can only afford a certain amount of comics a year. You want something big and bold and that has meaning and has as many characters as possible all collected into one. And from the preview art of this, I think this looks stunning. I mean, there's some great double page spreads there. There's one that seems to cover all uh, incarnations of the characters of the last 30 years that just looks great you've got some good moody artwork with batman there you've got um, you know going to new york as well which is interesting obviously that's where the next batman is at the moment you've got what looks like a massive vigil at the hall of justice because the justice league are dead i mean the more i talk about this event the more i'm really looking forward to it you know when it was when it was first announced, that didn't blow me away, but maybe I was just too spoiled by, you know, Snyder and Capullo events, and, you know, those were creators I loved. But the more I read up on this, the more I'm really, really looking forward to it. I mean, 
is this going to be is this going to be hitting your pull list? Oh, big style, yeah, yep, absolutely. Joshua Williamson, uh, the architect of the DC universe of the past sort of a year or so, maybe more. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I'm in. I am in. Yeah. So you've Dark Crisis now. They haven't, as I said, it doesn't affect the main line of books now. It does look like there might be some tie-in series, and only one has been announced so far which is Dark Crisis Young Justice. So I'm not as familiar with the creative team here. I, I do know the artist, Laura Braga, from a few different things, but the writer, Megan Fitzmartin, I'm not overly familiar with. But same again, the preview stuff looks pretty sweet here. So Dark Crisis Young Justice number one, it's going to be a six-issue miniseries tie-in. And this one is, Crises have always had a devastating impact on the generation of heroes that make up the Young Justice. And Dark Crisis will hit them even harder. Tim Drake, Impulse, and Superboy go missing during the Justice League's funeral. Just let Tim Drake stay missing. The only person concerned enough to find him, Cassie Sandsmark, a.k.a. Wonder Girl. But the three boys of Young Justice aren't on this earth anymore. They're off on a world of their dreams, one that they may never want to leave. So this is where you step in and say Tim Drake's the best Robin. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I need to say it at this stage. <laughs> but yeah, what I really like as well, just going back slightly to Dark Crisis with the cover, and this must please yourself as well, very much at the front of that cover, there he is, Dick Grayson. The second best Batman. <laughs> All right. Okay. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, that is Dark Crisis. So, uh, again, there's a couple of wee mini series popping up. Sorry. You were going to say? When is that last that last Justice League uh, issue out? Because I know that, that that's where this is spinning out of, isn't it? Yeah. That's a fair point. I mean, as well as the free comic book day issue, you've got Justice League issue 75, which is subtitled The Death of J the Justice League. And. It's Joshua Williamson writing that as well. He's taking over from Bendis, who finished up his Justice League run with number 74. So that is due out in the middle of April, I believe. Pardon me, so keep an eye out for that. I mean, part of this event, certainly the death of the Justice League idea, I think it's being marked, or it's being done to mark 30 years since the death of Superman. Uh, so does that mean that the Justice League will be away for two years and then back as if nothing happens? We shall see, because in comics, no one is dead forever. So, yeah, so Dark Crisis, as as Keith mentioned there, yeah, so keep an eye out for Justice League 75, then the free comic book day, uh, Rue to Dark Crisis, and then, of course, the series kicks off in earnest as well. So, uh, but yeah, there's a couple of wee miniseries with certainly penciled out as well from the DC book. Why don't you tell us about Black Adam? Yeah, um, Black Adam number one, it's by Christopher Priest, and art is Rafa Sandoval. And, uh, I mean, Black Adam, obviously... Uh, has appeared recently, or Teth Adam rather, in the uh, in the uh, uh, Teen Titans Academy, and uh, you know Black Adam himself is in the, is in the current Justice League run, um, so he's he's sort of come to my attention again. And obviously, there's a movie coming up uh, at some point in the near future, or far future, or mid future, who's to say? Um, so so they're 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 raising uh, they're raising the profile here a little bit. Um, so yeah, the uh, the solicitation reads that there is no forgiveness for Black Adam, and this is the reality. Teth Adam, a mortal man of indomitable will, must face when he discovers he has been infected with an incurable plague, destroying his immortality. Haunted by the spectre of centuries of dark deeds, Black Adam transfers his powers to a worthy successor who will redeem Adam's legacy and defend their ancestral home of Kandak, only to subsequently become mystically handcuffed to him when Adam's plague is arrested, giving birth to perhaps the most volatile and dysfunctional super team in DC history. Um, so, I mean, Christopher Priest has a has a, a trademark wit and a skill for character de deconstruction. 
so be interested to see his examination of uh, of Black Adam, who tends to be a character that everybody really enjoys disliking. Yeah, Black Adam run done well is a is a run where people do dislike him. You're you're spot on there, and yeah, it might be a nice wee precursor for the for the eventual movie if it ever comes out at this point, because <laughs> we don't need to talk about the state of Warner Brothers and DC Cinema. That's for a whole other kind many issues is this i think this was going to be down as six issues i mean it, it doesn't specifically state in the book that it's six issues but i could have swore when it was announced i mean i would be very surprised if it was an ongoing they very mm. rarely would commit to ongoing series with you know you don't want to say b-tier characters but certainly it's it's not a superman book it's not a batman book it's not a wonder woman book etc etc but uh yeah i could have swore it was released as, as six issues but we'll we'll wait and see on that one but the one that is definitely confirmed to be six issues and one that I'm looking forward to just because of the writer involved is Poison Ivy, number one. And it does have a great subtitle as well because we've had Ivy coming to the forefront a little bit more in DC books and actually really showcasing her power. And the the subtitle for this is Humanity Had Its Chance. It's hard to argue with that sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. So the reason I'm looking forward to this is it's written by G. Willow Wilson. Now, G. Willow Wilson did the most fantastic Miss Marvel run. I was a huge fan of back in the mid sort of 2010s. That was that was my peak Marvel reading years. You know, it was it wasn't Spider Man and Avengers and you know X Men for me. It was Miss Marvel and Daredevil by Wade and Samley and Silver Surfer by Dan Slott and Hawkeye by Fraction. So I like the sort of you know off center characters and with G Will Wilson on this, this definitely has my attention. The art is by Marcio Takara as well. And again, it's nice to see a, a book that's going to focus on Ivy. So Pamela Isley has been a lot of things in her life. A living god, a supervillain, an activist, a scientist, and dead. In a new body that she didn't ask for, with a renewed sense of purpose, Ivy leaves Gotham and sets out to complete her greatest work, a gift to the world that will heal the damage dealt to it by ending humanity. Spinning out of the pages of Batman, DC is proud to present the unbelievable next chapter in Poison Ivy's life by the incredible creative team of G. Willow Wilson and Marcio Takara. And there are some really nice variant covers there as well, if that is your thing. DC seem to be doing this in their books now. They're referring to this now as a variant program. So they'll show off issues that are free-to-order ones, which you've got one by Warren Lau there and one by Chris Anka. But then they'll detail what the ratio variants are, 1 to 25, 1 to 50, 1 to 100, etc. And, of course, the team variant cover, which is the nicest of them all by Dan Mora, is one of the bloody hardest to get because they... Their ones, their minimum order quantity variants where you have to order a minimum of 200 copies for the store mm. to qualify. It's really annoying because that's such a nice cover. But series-wise, I think that looks really, really promising. Uh, so yeah, yeah, interesting. So interesting. Yeah, Poison um, Ivy number one. Cool. Uh, next up from me is uh, it's a, a soft cover uh, trade. Uh, 168 pages. Uh, a reissue of Exit Stage Left. The Snagglepuss Chronicles from 2018. Uh, by Mark Russell. Now, Mark Russell uh, sort of, I guess, wrote uh, the acclaimed Flintstones comic book for DC um, back in about 2015, I think. Uh, and I think there was Eisner, uh, Eisner nominations for that. Um, he did this. Uh, since then, uh, he did that, I think, that second coming, uh, two volumes of that. Um, and uh, most recently, he did... Um, Fantastic Four life story for Marvel. Um, also did uh, some cool stuff for uh, for Dynamite, IDW, Dodge Dread, Under Siege, and the Lone Ranger, the Devil's Rope for Dynamite, which were were fantastic. But uh, this book uh, did really well for him. Um, he actually was nominated again for a, 
an Eisner Award for Best Writer for this, I think, in, in 2018. And uh, the art is by Mike Fian. Uh, it's a drama, comedy, tragedy for the renowned Southern playwright called Snagglepuss. These are the ingredients that have made him a star in the New York stage and the glittering world that surrounds it. But the year is 1953 and behind the bright lights, darkness is brewing. Snagglepuss is gay and his enemies are set out to destroy him for it. Collects the complete uh, the complete Snagglepuss number one to six, uh, part of uh, Mark Russell's reimagining of the Hanna-Barbera universe. So I meant to get this back at the time, you know, and it's just it's nice to, to see it come out in a, in a nicely presented a soft cover, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna grab this one. Did you read this, Alan? I never did. No, Roddy spoke very very highly of it. He was he was a big fan of it. Six issue mini, and it's one that I've just never never got round to. I mean, the the reason these are being printed off is it's part of sort of DC's Pride celebrations for this month. So they've put in the book a, a selection of titles that they would recommend within that have characters um, LGBTQ characters in it. So things like Suicide Squad, Bad Blood that we really enjoyed. The Snagglepuss Chronicles you've just mentioned, the Lolo Woods, things like that. And then you've also the DC Pride Anthology one-shot for this year as well. So this this is something that the, the big two have been doing a lot uh, in the last few years as well. So with this anthology tale, you've got a lot of great creative um, talent on it. You've got writers such as Devin Grayson, Stephanie Williams, Travis G. Moore, Alyssa Wong. You've got art by people like W. Scott Forbes, um, Evan Cagle, Phil Jimenez. And basically what this is, is an anthology book that'll focus primarily on those characters within the DC universe. So uh, DC's 2022 celebration kicks off with more stories, more characters, and more pride than ever before. This anthology features 13 all-new stories, spotlighting LGBTQIA plus fan favourites, new and old, including Superman, Nubia, Tim Drake, Kid Quick, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Alyssa Yeo, The Ray, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Batwoman, and more. So... Yeah, the, the anthology books always tend to be good for me for DC. They always put good talent into them and a lot of effort. That'll be Squarebound. It will, of course, be a more expensive issue coming in at that $10 price point. Uh, but it will be a one-shot over 100 pages there as well. And then there will be a selection of DC Pride variant covers across the main titles. Again, showcased in the book. And you can you can certainly have a flick through those and look those up online. So what else have you got? What is up for you next? Uh, I've got uh, Aquaman and the Flash, Void Song, number one by uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, who are doing great stuff uh, across both of the big two. Um, so uh, this could be one to one to pick up. Uh, art is by Vasco Georgiev. Uh, it's 56 pages. It's one of three. It is Prestige format, but I don't believe Prestige Plus. <laughs> um, so should be should be be happy enough. The uh, the cover art there by uh, Jana Skleto uh, looks looks great. Anna Skleto. Um, the uh, the solicitation reads: They descend suddenly from the stars in monumental ships like floating cathedrals. They are touched by a dark and terrible force from beyond our reality. Silent, but for one note, they emit that freezes all motion. Their mission: to drain the earth of all its kinetic energy and leave it a lifeless husk. They never. Ex- Expected anyone would escape their song, but the Flash was in the Speed Force when they struck, and Aquaman was in the deepest ravine far below the ocean's floor. These heroes have little in common. They've rarely even fought side by side without their fellow Justice League members. Now they must find a way to work together against impossible odds to save the world and the people they love. Sounds uh, sounds interesting. Yeah, they seem to be doing these Aquaman team-up books at the moment. There was Aquaman and Green Arrow, Deep Target, which was one recently, which was seven issues, so... 
clearly they don't think Aquaman could carry a book on his own. They got to throw in other characters. But yeah, as you say, it's it's another case of uh, following those creators with Lansing and Kelly doing some great stuff, as you say, mm. across across both companies. So definitely one to keep an eye out for. And that is a mini series three issues. Mm-hmm. Lovely, oversized. So yeah, we jump from that to DC versus Vampires Killers number one. So this is a one shot that falls into the DC versus Vampires line. It of course is a, a twelve issue miniseries by Jim Tinney the Fourth, Matthew Rosenberg and Otto Schmidt. And it seems to me that they've got as far as number six, then we're going to be getting a couple of one shots and then the rest of the series. So this one is DC versus Vampires Killers number one. So Great to see that it's written by Rosenberg. It's not just outsourced to another writer. Uh, the artist on this is Mike Bowden. And for this one, it's in the shadow of the new vampire world order. Harley Quinn rules the human underworld in this age of darkness. She has survived only by looking out for herself, but she might have just found the key to saving the world. So I get the feeling these one shots will be quite important to that overall story. And it's a series I've been absolutely loving. You know, I've talked about it quite a bit in the uh, the reviews podcast. And then just one thing to keep an eye out for this for you variant lovers here. There is a free-to-order variant uh, by Brett Booth and Jonathan Glapian, which is an ode to a very famous uh, Batman cover, which was done by Todd McFarlane, which he later homaged and spawned. And this looks to be another homage, but it's done by uh, Brett Booth this time instead, and that is pretty sweet. So, yeah, DC vs. Vampires Killers. If you do have DC vs. Vampires on your pull list, I would naturally assume that you would want the one-shots. Uh, but if that's not the case... Do let us know. The one-shots themselves, what's good to see is they're $4 one-shots. Sometimes you get one-shots and annuals and they're $6, $7. And, you know, you can sort of find it hard to justify the value there. But to me, this these just look like more issues from the from the same series. So definitely one to, to keep an eye on as well. Um, but, yeah, we're going to be moving on just to sort of finish off the DC book to the sort of trade paperbacks and collected editions and... Why don't you kick it off with just one of the very best DC titles of recent times? Absolutely. If you listen to the reviews podcast, you'll you'll know what, what we're talking about. You'll be fed up listening to us. It's Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, written by Tom King and art and cover by Bilquis Evely. Uh, 224 pages, soft cover. Uh, and just just an early contender for best series of the year. And there's only been there was only three issues out this year. Uh, the rest of it was last year. Just... Absolutely phenomenal. Tom King's best work, to my mind, uh, collects the entire miniseries, Supergirl World of Tomorrow, number one to eight. Kara Zor-El can no longer find any meaning or purpose in her life, but that all changes when an alien girl seeks her out to help her take revenge on the bad guys who destroyed her world. Now a Kryptonian, a dog, and an angry, heartbroken child head into space on a journey that will shake them to their very core. It's Supergirl like you've never seen her before in a character-divining sci-fi fantasy masterpiece. Um... I don't think it would be selling it too short to say that this is maybe the best Supergirl story ever written. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I'm not the biggest authority on classic Supergirl, but this this definitely made me a fan of the character. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you if you didn't get uh, Supergirl in singles, I would highly and heartily recommend that you pick this up. I would stand behind this more than I would stand behind anything else in the previous catalog this this month. And that right there is a massive statement once you realize the amount of good Marvel stuff coming out as well. But mm-hmm. but yeah, we, we showcased practically, if not every single issue of it, and it was an absolutely tremendous piece of work. And one of the most gorgeous looking comics of recent times oh. as well. The the world building, the the colours, the character work, the, everything. Just a perfect comic. And I don't again think that's too much uh, hyperbole to say so. So that is super and, uh, tomorrow. 
just speaking of Tom King in DC, I think uh, June also sees the end of Batcat. So yes, Batcat 12 is indeed out uh, this month, and that will be the end of the saga. I mean, I love the, the preview art they showed for the cover, which was Clay basically doing every single iteration of Bruce and Selina or Batman and Catwoman that has been throughout Tom King's entire run. So whether it's retro costumes or it's, you know, whatever else. But we are promised a wedding this time. You know, so it, Tom is finally delivering on the wedding. So, Stephen, get over it. Uh, <laughs> the man says is a Batman issue 50 collector. Uh, speaking of Batman, yeah, just one trade that I really want to point out. I'll, I'll throw out a bit of love for two, actually. So, first of all, there's going to be the, the hardcover collection of Batman Abyss, which is the Joshua Williamson story that he's currently writing in the main title. This will focus on issues 118 to 121 and also 124. The issues that aren't in there are ones that are going to be linked to a event called Shadow War Alpha. So uh, that'll be collected separately, I'm sure. But the main one I wanted to showcase was Batman Earth 1, the complete collection. This was a three-volume series by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, so the team behind Doomsday Clock. And with this one, it's collecting all three books in the one volume. So read the whole saga. In a Gotham City where friend and four indistinguishable, Bruce Wayne's path towards becoming the Dark Knight is riddled with more obstacles than ever before. Focused on punishing his parents' true killers and the corrupt police who allowed them to go free, Bruce Wayne's thirst for vengeance fuels his mad crusade and no one, not even Alfred, can stop him. Jeff Johns and Gary Frank reimagined a new mythology for the Dark Knight where the familiar is no longer the expected. I mean, to give you an idea where they started with this, I remember the opening pages of Volume 1 was Batman chasing just a common criminal across the rooftops, looking all frightening and, you know, like a monster in the eyes of the criminal. And then the criminal manages to jump across a, uh, a gap between buildings, and then Batman goes to do it. His um, grappling gun, first of all, fails, then he tries to jump it, and then he falls, because he's not Batman <laughs> yet. But he looks like Batman, but he's not quite Batman. So it's a really good series. That actually three volumes, and it's all self-contained, so you don't really need to know much outside of those those three volumes. So, yeah, definitely one worth keeping an eye for, the Earth One Complete Collection. And why don't you bring us home then with one last uh, big bad boy mentioned from the DC book? Yeah, why not? Sure, we've got a, I've mentioned a soft cover, so let's let's pull on a hard cover. Um, we have got the Animal Man Omnibus 2022 edition, uh, written by Grant Morrison, art by uh, Chaz Truog, Doug Hazelwood, and others. Uh, it's a Brian Boland cover, uh, 712 pages. As I said, it's a, a hardcover big boy, and it's been offered again. Uh, it's Grant Morrison's epic run on Animal Man, collected in one massive hardcover. Buddy Baker has been experiencing visions of aliens, people transforming into strange pencil-like drawings, and hints of a terrible crisis. As his odyssey of self-discovery gives way to spiritual enlightenment, as well as the depths of despair, Buddy meets his maker, a writer by the name of Grant Morrison. This includes Animal Man, number 1 to 26, and A Tale from Strange Origin, number 39. I, uh, I first read this uh, in a DC sort of uh, monthly anthology book, reprint book, mm -hmm. uh, from, from uh, I don't know if it was Titan or I can't remember, back in the day, like sort of late, late 80s, early 90s, um, called DC Universe, I think, or something along those lines. And read bits and pieces of it. It's really it's whenever some of your first exposure to Animal Man is Grant Morrison. It's definitely a trip. <laughs> but yeah, so. I remember thoroughly enjoying this. I remember thoroughly enjoying it. Early, early Grant Morrison, I suppose you could say. Yeah, I'll be keeping an eye out for that. That's a run I've never read. I mean, 
Animal Man's a character. I love the the Jeff Lemire, Steve Poole run in the New 52. But outside of that, I don't have a lot of experience with Animal Man. But if there's going to be one person who, you know, embraces the sheer ridiculousness of the character and does something fun and interesting with it, it's going to be Morrison. You'll probably not understand the whole thing, but you'll definitely never be bored, I would say. So <laughs> I will keep an eye for that uh... one myself. Yeah, yeah, the point at which, uh, the point at which, uh, yeah, he meets, he ends up with uh, the Roadrunner and the Coyote uh, is is kind of interesting, and then the point at which he meets Grant Morrison also, also interesting. So, uh, see, <laughs> yeah, years so. before Donny Cates introduced himself into a crossover, Grant Morrison was doing it decades ago. Oh, absolutely, decades. absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, that's the Animal Man omnibus, and as Keith says, that's a, a twenty twenty two reprint. Uh, hardcover edition so uh, to round off the DC book so as ever yeah there's there's mentions in the DC book for all the ongoing titles as well you know all your favorites are still continuing but again as ever the the book is in store if you want to have a look through it or you can check it out at DC Connect uh, online and find it it is issue 23 April 2022 so that focuses uh, that shifts the focus I should say away from DC and onto Marvel so quite a lot to get through in this marvel book i have to say there was a lot of good stuff in here uh why don't you kick us off with one of the big events yeah absolutely so it's been teased on the cover of, uh, of a lot of the, the the books this month uh eternals um for one certainly uh and that is axe axe judgment day with axe referring to the avengers the x-men and the eternals um so this is going to be the the kickoff the first issue of uh the lead-in issue of the the big summer crossover um it's going to be released on june 29th and it's by event writer kieran gillen and uh legendary artist pasquale ferry with a cover by carlos pacheco so a lot of lot of uh big names there this kicks off uh or this is the i guess the alpha issue uh that will kick off the full six issue main series uh showing the first this 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 issue shows the first shot of the apocalyptic conflict to come um so so yeah i mean it's uh we don't know too much about it uh but i mean the, the premise the premise is that uh you know the the eternals have uh the the eternals have discovered uh the x-men are uh, have conquered death the mutants have conquered death uh, and uh, what are they going to do about it? Um, well, what they're going to do about it is, is that the oldest immortals on the earth are eyeing up the newest, and the doomsday clock starts to tick towards Judgment Day. Um, there's a variant cover by Phil Noto, a variant cover by John Cassidy, um, and uh, I think this will be interesting. Uh, it's going to be quality, especially with, with Kieran Gillen at the helm. So, uh, yeah. Do love that variant cover by Phil Noto, which depicts the Avengers watching the Eternals who are watching the X-Men. Really, really cool image there. I mean, yeah, Eternals is something I haven't really been reading. You know, you, you talk very highly about it all the time. I'm hoping a nice hardcover comes at some point. But I think this sounds great. And I do love that idea that, you know, they don't focus on it a lot, I suppose, in X-Men. It's just part of the X-Men makeup now that, you know, they can't die. 
But yeah, what happens when the original Immortals are like, hold on a second, we we thought we were special. You know, it's uh, it's actually a really, really interesting idea. And as you say, for anyone who's capable of working at that higher level, uh, it's definitely Kieran Gillen. And then yeah. Pasquale Ferry, that was the artist on Spider Shadow, was it? Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So so yeah, great to see them back him them back here. And uh, so yeah, we've got this this one shot, June twenty ninth, Eve of Judgment, uh, and then uh, say the the. Uh, the six-issue miniseries, and then I think we're getting uh, AXE Judgment Day, uh, which releases in July, and that's from Gillen, uh, Valerio Shidi, and I'm out of Mark Brooks' cover. So, uh, yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, they've got one of those uh, teaser trailers for it up on YouTube, uh, which is well worth a watch. Okay, it's like one of those sort of um, motion ones, isn't it, where they use yeah, yeah, and just Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, pretty, they're always, always pretty cool to see. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to look up very quickly here the free comic book day offerings just to see if maybe Marvel were doing a little something with this. But it looks like their free comic book day offering is going to be Spider-Man Venom related and uh, Avengers X-Men, I think. So I just wondered if they maybe it's just come a wee bit too early for them to really preview AXE. But yep, definitely one to look forward to there. So from one Marvel event to another, although something tells me this one will not interest either of us much. <laughs> despite the good talent involved so maybe we shouldn't dismiss it out of hand but uh, yeah this is definitely one that will no doubt fly out the door in the store I mean when, when DC did Batman Fortnite no one was prepared for the demand that came with that I mean I had mums and dads coming in the store all the time you know I'm looking for this Fortnite comic what is it blah 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 I had one pre-order and I swear we could have sold 200 copies of that in the first two weeks it was just relentless because the thing was it came with a uh, a skin or a wee code for a skin you could use in the game so of course all it takes is one person to see someone else using it and go where did you get that so the one for marvel i'm, I'm surprised it's taken marvel as long as this to catch up because we know how the big two like to you know copy each other's homework but you know just change it up a little bit and they are doing a five issue miniseries which is fortnite times marvel at zero war number one of five and as I say, there's some good talent involved in this. It's written by Christos Gage uh, and Donald Mustard, who I must admit I'm not overly familiar with. But it's drawn by Sergio Davia, who's well known for Captain Marvel. And even Lionel Yu has uh, pitched in with a rather nice looking cover for it as well. So, Very nice. So this will be the same as the Batman Fortnite one in that each issue will unlock a cosmetic, uh, digital cosmetic in Fortnite. So for old timers like, like us, it means a skin don't in have, the game don't have a clue so basically instead of playing as your generic character that you've created in fortnite you can play as spider-man or you can play as wolverine based on whoever the code is that's what it will unlock but okay. story-wise if you are interested it's okay you can you can zone out for a minute keith uh, the Marvel Universe collides with Fortnite. The inhabitants on the island are locked in what seems like a never-ending war. And only one thing has the potential to turn the tide, a crystallized fragment of the zero point that, that was cast into the Marvel Universe. Spider-Man and Wolverine team up with several Fortnite fighters and new recruit Shuri to hunt down the elusive Zero Shard. Will these allies be able to find it in time and avert catastrophe? And can the heroes of Marvel and Fortnite realities hold off the imagined order long enough to give them a fighting chance? So, again, I expect this to be pretty big. It's... It's not necessarily one that is attractive to, you know, long-term readers like ourselves, but it's definitely ones that will help integrate new readers into comics. It's it's a familiar concept for them, and it maybe introduces them to this world. So, you know, I, I would never dismiss a series like this. I mean, no, I thought, definitely not. Yeah, I thought Batman Fortnite was, was, was genius. I, I thought, you know, this is getting kids in the comics. You know, while they're waiting on loading screens, they can sit and read their comic and... 
I always use my nephew as an example of this. He was eight when Batman Fortnite came out, huge Fortnite head. And I give him it, thinking this was the greatest present ever. He was like, oh, thank you so much. Took the code out, set the comic to the side, <laughs> entered the code. This will take, uh, you need to do an update. This will take 10 minutes. So he picked the comic up, read it, loved it, and actually read all six. So, yeah, as I say, this is not a comic aimed at us, but this is definitely a comic aimed at getting newer, younger readers into the industry. So for that, it should definitely be applauded. So, and I've got to say, the preview interior art actually looks great. Like, there's a great black and white uh, page which shows Galactus on it. and Like, they're going, they're putting in some good effort to this. So, yeah, we'll see. But anyway, back to our reg regularly scheduled programming. What have we got next? <laughs> All right. Phew. Uh, <laughs> so next up, we've got uh, Captain America, Sentinel of, Sentinel of Liberty number one kicking off uh, in, in June. Uh, so that's the, 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 the paired title with uh, Sam Wilson, uh, Symbol of Truth. Uh, which will be number two in, in June. So Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty. One, one, sorry, I should say one follows Steve Rogers. The other follows uh, Sam Wilson, uh, both as Captain America. Uh, we've got Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, uh, name appearing once again uh, on writing duties and Carmen Carnero uh, on art and uh, and cover A. Uh, load of variant covers here, Julian Tatino Tedesco. Uh, variant cover by uh, Joshua Kassara, actually, the, the Stormbreakers variant cover, our buddy Joshua. Uh, it'd be nice to see that one. There's a Scotty Young variant in there. The uh, solicit says, the shield isn't what you think. It's not your symbol. It's theirs. The shield is one of the most iconic images in the world. It stands for hope, justice, and the protection of the innocent. It also holds a secret, undiscovered until now, that will change the way Steve Rogers views the 20th century and how he chooses to fight in the 21st. Nothing is what it appears in this game-changing Captain America run. Uh, ah, uh, I am looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's a nice idea what they've done here with the two different Captain Americas. Instead of prioritizing one over the other, it's a good way of having both, uh, both men behind the mask, if you will, or men behind the shield. Uh, it is an interesting one as well. If you're listening to this and you, you had Captain America in your pull list from you know previous volumes, it, just drop into us and let us know if you want both of them, if you want just one, if you want neither. It's it's just it, it can be hard for a store to judge. You know, do you want to be on both Captain America titles? But yeah, I mean, this is the one that definitely interests me more out of the two. Just I'm more of a Steve Rogers guy, but I'll certainly give uh, Symbol of Truth a, a go as well. Although something tells me you'll be jumping off Symbol of Truth at issue two based on the uh, the cover and solicitation as it involves your favorite merc with a mouth uh sam wilson's enough to keep me on whenever deadpool's enough to kick me off so <laughs> so uh, yeah captain america sentinel of liberty there i did see a really cool preview image from interior art which has uh steve rogers and of course uh, the winter soldier beside him overlooking what looks like a fourth of july parade uh, of course with a huge stark mm. unlimited blimp over it because you know tony has to put his name everywhere you, you don't see bruce wayne doing all this stuff you know what i mean all right, easy, easy. Just leave it. Let it go. Don't you don't need to get excited about these things. Not at all. Well, one thing I am excited about, and that is Daredevil number one. So, um, a I'm so delighted to see Daredevil go back to number one, simply because the current run that we've been enjoying so much, talking about all the time, recommending to people. Print run wise, it's just it's a mess. It's all over the place. It's hard to get volume ones. It's it's nearly impossible to get the hardcover. So it, I always feel bad recommending stuff to people, but then going, but you can't get it because it's too bloody hard to get. So Daredevil number one provides a perfect jumping on point for people. This is going to follow the events of Devil's Reign, and most importantly, it's keeping the creative team. So Chip Zdarsky staying on as writer, Marco Cicchetto staying on as uh, artist and doing covers. 
and the first cover he's pulled out of the bag is a thing of absolute beauty but that's not to say that there aren't some awesome variants as well. John Romita Jr. doing one with John Romita Sr. Rand Stegman doing one. Jorge Fornes doing one. Peach Momoko. Joe Quesada. People just love drawing Daredevil. And yeah, so jumping on point. Brand new number one. And I can read the solicitations, thankfully, without spoiling Devil's Reign for myself. They've been deliberately vague, which is great. So after the rain comes the dawn. In the wake of Wilson Fisk's violent and visceral last act, it's a new era for New York and the man without fear. With a groundbreaking creative team returning to usher in an all-new chapter, Matt Murdock has no choice but to leave behind everything he's ever known, and Elektra is the last vestige of his former life. Everything Matt Murdock thought it meant to be Daredevil is about to change, including the challenges he will have to face in the cowl. So that just sells itself. That creative team, you know, the the fallout from Devil's Reign, and again, just it provides a great jumping-on point for new readers who maybe came to a little bit later. So make sure to get that on your pull list. If you are with us already with Daredevil, we'll just... Uh, carry you over to that you know it's the same creative team and so forth so we'd imagine people would want to want to stick with it so yeah daredevil number one i would uh I, yeah i mean you're talking about it but but i'm on it <laughs> i'm absolutely on it um for sure uh, it's uh and those covers jesus there's there's really a, a nicer range of lineup of covers for a book this month yeah i think that's very true although the next one that you're about to introduce that's a heck of a creative talent involved in variants there as well. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. So we mentioned it beforehand. It's X-Men Hellfire Gala number one by Jerry Duggan. Uh, art by Matteo Lale, CF Villa, uh, Chris Anka, Russell Dodderman. Cover by Russell Dodderman. Uh, there's a range of uh, variant covers here. And, uh, of course, the Hellfire Gala. Um, well... I mean, this one is a 72-page one-shot special by, by say, Jerry Duggan, um, that range of, of artists. And it is, I guess, up in the ante on the now second annual event, the Hellfire Gala of last year, featured the X-Men changing the face of uh, of the Sol system by by changing Mars, terraforming it through uh, mutant power alone uh, into the planet Arago and claiming it as not just the homeworld for mutants, but the... The, the, the central planet of the, the soul, solar system. You know, it's... Uh, I mean, the, the chances are that there's going to be a, a, an equally massive transformation in this, and Marvel isn't saying anything yet. Uh, you know, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of superhero guest stars uh, last year. Everybody was in it, um, you know, and... Uh, were invited to uh, witness the radical transformation of the X-Men uh, and what they try to bring to the Marvel Universe. Uh, but apparently when an uninvited guest crashes the event, chaos ensues that will cause the cracks in the foundation of Krakoa and lead into 2022's uber-Marvel event Judgment Day by Kieran Gillen and Larry Oshidi, a three-way showdown between Avengers, Eternals, and the X-Men. So this Hellfire Gala is going to lead into uh, Judgment Day, which is interesting. Um, but the other cool thing about the Hellfire Gala is the Hellfire Gala is whenever the, the population of uh, Krakoa vote for the new lineup of the core X-Men team. So uh, last year, the host was Emma Frost and she invited uh, invited us to Krakoa to celebrate fireworks. Uh, and uh, this year, it's about celebrating mutantdom's friendship with humanity. Um, so there's, there seems to be a lot a lot going on. Uh, in uh, in Hellfire Gala, I love that they've made this an annual event. Uh, I think it's I think it's, it's very cool. Uh, the designs that went into the characters' costumes and stuff uh, last year was were were great. 
So this year, rather than it crossing over into everything uh, as it did last year, it's all contained in one oversized issue. Uh, so I'd say this will be uh, this will be unmissable. Yeah, I like that idea that they've done it that way rather than across all of the titles, you know, because obviously X-Men is such a diverse range of titles and not everybody is on every title. But then you get a an event like this and maybe if you're unfamiliar with how it's run, it can be a little tricky to keep up with. So I like the idea of it being an annual event. It gives you a great excuse for an annual as well. Uh, and, you know, and it's, it can reset things if it needs to. It can clear up things if it needs to. So I like the idea of the, uh, the format of it, definitely. Uh, moving along... We haven't got it on our little uh, our little slate, but I'm just going to mention quickly Amazing Spider-Man number six, and that's primarily because this is now landmark issue 900. It seems there are landmark issues every single month, but this is a big one. <laughs> this is a big one simply because so the 900th issue of Amazing Spider-Man, it comes out the month of Spider-Man's 60th anniversary. So pulling out all the stops with this one, Zeb Wells, of course, writing. Ed McGuinness is doing art in this one. You've got John Romita Jr. cover. You've got... A absolute plethora of variants Bengal, Peach Momoko, Bagley Humberto Ramos, Tedesco, Scotty Young Jim Cheng, John Cassidy so many ones there and by the look of it just in case you missed Amazing Spidey from the start, although you shouldn't have because it's still not out, uh, this will probably be a jumping on point I would imagine as well but just one worth keeping an eye out for and it'll be a big 96 page bad boy there as well but uh, the next one that we had listed down is a 4 issue mini series which is written by Paul Cornell and art by Mike Hawthorne. And, but the main name attached to this one is the legendary George R.R. R. Martin, uh, who, of course, is responsible for Game of Thrones. And this is a series called Wild Cards, The Drawing of Cards. So the legendary George R.R. R. Martin superhero series comes to Marvel, spanning more than 25 novels, more than 20 short stories released over three decades and written by more than 40 authors. The Wild Card series tells the story of an alternate history in which the Earth is home to superpowered individuals. When a human is infected with the alien wildcard virus, the odds are they will be killed, which is referred to as drawing the Black Queen. Of those who survive, the bulk of them become jokers left with some strange mutated form. A lucky few are called aces, those gifted with superpowers they can put to use towards goals or villainous ones. Now for the first time in comic book form, see the Wild Cards universe began with an adaptation of the very first stories in the original Wild Cards novel. Based on stories by Harold Waldrop, Roger Zelazny and series mastermind and editor George R. R. Martin. Wild Cards is a stellar introduction to a whole new world reshaped by the emergence of superpowers. Is it just me or does this sound like a boom or an image book, not a Marvel book? A wee bit. A wee bit. Um, I've never read any of the, the Wild Cards books. Um, I think I've touched upon some of the stuff very briefly somewhere, but uh, I don't know an awful lot about it. So I'm kind of interested in this, especially with uh, the likes of Rogers as any and, and, and other such names involved. Well, from that to a title that is very much Marvel dripping all over it and probably one of your most anticipated this month, I would imagine. Oh, very much so. Um, and that's Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number one of five by Toran Grombeck and Michael Dowling on art. Uh, I think there's a, a, a Ryan Stegman cover um, as well. And uh, I mean, Jane Foster is one of my one of my favorite characters uh, of late. And when Mjolnir comes crashing through Jane Foster's apartment window, she fears the worst has happened to Thor. As Asgard's greatest enemies, including Hela, who licked the troll, and the Enchantress mount an assault on the Golden Realm, Jane must find Thor and save Asgard, even if that means she must once again risk her life to become Thor herself. So uh, it'd be lovely to see uh, 
Jane pick up the hammer again. Although I'm loving her, her current run as as Valkyrie, so I hope that's not left at the at the wayside by this. But uh, yeah, five issues. Um, a lot of the stuff they've done with with Jane and the Valkyries recently have been four or five issues. So uh, so good to see that continue. Well, speaking of five-issue miniseries for Marvel, we've got a couple of them coming up next. Uh, one of them from the great creative team of Gail Simone and artist Phil Noto. And this is a series called The Variants. So, of course, Variants is a is an idea that spun out very recently out of Loki, certainly more to the mass, mass public, so to speak. And five-issue miniseries, and this is going to focus on Jessica Jones, who straight away I'm, I'm happy about that. What would it really be like to meet an alternate version of yourself, another you who had made different choices and lived a completely different life as a result? That's the question facing Jessica Jones as what seemed like a routine investigation instead has her encountering other carnations of herself from across the multiverse. Can Jessica get along with herself? Will she want to kill her other selves? And will seeing the lives she could have led drive her into a self-destructive spiral? This is what happens when you meet the variants. I mean, Jessica Jones is always in a self-destructive spiral. I mean, meeting other variants of herself is not going to change anything. <laughs> it's a strange solicitation <laughs> and then the other one uh which is also celebrating the 60th anniversary this uh, year as well similar to spidey and certainly one of my favorite characters and definitely one of my favorite movie adaptations is ant-man and again a five issue mini series and coming from al ewing no less and the artist on this one is tom riley so What's cool about this one is this is going to be flashing back to the early days of Hank Pym's career as the astonishing Ant-Man. It's date night for Hank and his girlfriend, Janet Van Dyne, but nobody told that to Ant-Man's enemies. Watch as Hank's antagonists, I see what they did there, uh, band together to finally take down the scientific adventurer. But will anyone come to his rescue? And who's the mysterious stranger who stalks him? Join Al Ewan and Tom Riley as they explore the history of every hero, past, present and future called Ant-Man. And I love the look of that sort of retro cover to it which is just sort of a, a side profile of ant-man you can't see the face or the legs but holding that ant-man that ant-man mask i i'm a big fan of ant-man i think it's a, a series or a character that is very underutilized in the current marvel mythology so looking forward to that one yeah both of those sound uh, sound interesting um one that will not interest you so much but is of great interest to me is the iron man hellcat annual number one by christopher cantwell uh, art by Rory Coleman uh, and uh, a couple of uh, variant covers here. It spins very much out of the pages of uh, Christopher Cantwell's Iron Man series, where uh, Patsy Walker Hellcat has been a major, a major uh, character. And in this, Hellcat travels to San Francisco to get her house in order. Only this house is an aging Victorian manor left to her by her mother Dorothy. The house and its secrets will reunite, reunite Patsy with old friends like Hetty Wolf as well as others she'd hope to leave dead and buried with a supernatural when a supernatural crisis arises will hellcat and iron man combined enough be enough to beat back the flames of hell itself it's a 40 page one shot and uh, it looks like it's quite tightly tied to uh, to the iron man to cantwell's iron man man uh, series so uh, i'm going to grab that and speaking of annuals what have you got next as you say, we've got the Alien Annual Number One by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Salvador Larocca, who are the creative team on the the Alien series. Variant cover by our boy Declan, um, as well. And this looks like it swings back and uh, and touches base with the arc from the the start of the Alien series. You remember with uh, with the space station and Gabriel Cruz, the security guy. Um, it says years before Bloodlines, Wayland Jutani security chief Gabriel Cruz was a company man. His devotion to, to Wayland Jutani came first, no matter what the cost. 
But when the company decides to conduct their first trial run experiment with the xenomorph, will crew stand by and let innocent soldiers die? Again, 40 page one shot, and it looks like it's a, a prequel to the, the 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 first arc of the, the Aliens series by Marvel. Yeah, it's good to see that. I mean, that was an interesting character and, you know, in that original Bloodlines series, of course, he was much more jaded. He was older. He was disillusioned. So it'll be sort of nice to see him back more as the company man and what led to that sort of station in life at that point. I mean, there's there's other stuff through the book as well. As I said, it's a really packed month for Marvel. You know, we haven't even mentioned the likes of the Iron Cat miniseries by Jed McKay. There's, you know... Um, there was something else I saw here, Punisher War Journal, which is a one-shot by Torin Grumbeck and Lan Medina as well. There's just so much that we just can't cover all of it, so definitely pop in and have a look at the books. But we'll just throw in a, a couple of wee small ones to finish off. The first one being, you know, from Star Wars Corner, and it's from me. Holy moly! Uh, this is Star Wars: The Mandalorian, and you'll either be really disappointed at this comic series or really happy about it because when this was announced, everyone thought New Adventures: of The Mandalorian. This is going to be great. It's just an adaptation of the first season of the TV show in comic form. But it is adapted by Rodney Barnes, so straight away, you know, it's going to be a really good adaptation. George Genty on art, Addy Granoff with a great cover that just looks like a film poster to me. Uh, so this is essentially going to retell that first season. So it's going to, it, it kicks off with the Mandalorian bounty hunter tracking a target for a well-paying mysterious client. Witness the introduction of Jin Jaren and the first meeting between the Mandalorian and the child. So... For you key collectors out there, the first appearance of Grogu in a comic. So, But yeah, you're either going to be really disappointed that it's not new adventures, but that's what a new season of the show is for. But it is an adaptation to get some people caught up as well. Uh, so yeah, so that's from Star Wars. And then just a couple of sort of big ones to finish off with, the omnibuses, which is becoming more and more of a theme with yourself, and I think they've picked one of your favourite ever stories this month. Oh yeah, they have, yeah. They've got uh, Spider-Man 2099 omnibus. Uh, it's volume one. It's a hardcover by Rick Leonardo, Lardy, and it covers the whole of uh, volume one of uh, Spider-Man 2099, uh, written by Peter David, uh, penciled by Rick Leonardi. There's also a, a host of other writers and pencilers on there because there's a few other bits and pieces in this, uh, aside from the, the core series. Peter David's futuristic epic collected in full. The year 2099 is full of menace, but none so insidious as the corrupt corporations that run the world. Miguel O'Hara, his DNA rewritten in an attempt to escape his employer, Alchemax, has gained great powers and become the new Spider-Man. But as Miguel battles injustice in both high and low society, menaces new and familiar come calling. Venture, the specialist, the vulture, the mysterious Thanatos, and more. The possible return of the Asgardian gods unites Miguel with 2099's other heroes, but who is the net prophet? How will Spider-Man react when Doctor Doom conquers America? And what is Miguel's connection to Venom 2099? This collects Spider-Man 2099 from 1992, numbers 1 to 46, and the annual. Ravage 2099, number 15. X-Men 2099, number 5. Doom 2099, number 14. Punisher 2099, number 13. And the more recent Spider-Man 2099 meets Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2099 special. Um, it's it's a it's a chunky book, one thousand three hundred and eighty four pages with a Oof. with a price tag to match. But uh, so it's the same size as uh, it's the same size as the Ultimate Spider Man one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm on this. I know uh, Stephen's very much interested as well. This is a this is a great story. Yeah, you've always spoken very very highly of Spider Man twenty ninety nine. So when you get this sort of you know complete collection, it's maybe hard to look past. So I think I'll be picking that up myself and 
There's also a Avengers run that caught your eye as well this month. Oh, yes, one that's going to be hard to look by. One that I think you'll maybe find hard to look by. It's Avengers by Busaic and Perez, Omnibus Volume 1. Uh, it is uh, written by Kurt Busaic, Jerry Ordway, John Francis Moore, Mark Wade, Roger Stern and more. Penciled primarily by George Perez. Uh, obviously, a lot going on with George Perez at the minute. Um, so uh, the more we can push his way, I guess, the better. George Ordway, Stuart Immerman, Carlos Pacheco, a whole raft of stuff. Uh, fan favourite creators, Kurt Busaic and George Perez, craft a new era for the Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Avengers have always defended humanity against the forces of evil. When duty calls, these legendary champions answer, fighting valiantly for justice. But as the Avengers reform in the wake of a life-changing event, they must face an array of foes like no other. Morgan Le Fay, the Squadron Supreme, the Kree, the Legion of the Unliving, the Thunderbolts and the Wrecking Crew, not to mention facing Kang and Amortis in the Destiny War. But when the merciless Ultron attacks, wiping out an entire nation and his hatred for mankind, the Avengers must live up to their name if they can. So collects 1998's Avengers number 0 to 23, uh, plus a rough cut, a couple of annuals, a few Iron Man issues, an Iron Man issue, Captain America issue, a Quicksilver issue, and, oh, Avengers Forever 1998 number 1 to 12, the entire Avengers Forever series. That I hadn't noticed before. Fantastic. That's That's great value. That you hear right there, dear listener, is pure giddy joy at something not realized before going through the solicitation. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's a it's a powerhouse creative team. You know, it's an absolute classic creative team there as well. And yeah, a lot of bang for your buck with that one as well. As you say, a good 1,200 pages in there. And yeah, I know you've spoken very highly, certainly about Avengers Forever. So uh, you may have talked me into that one as well. Not that I need talked in the omnibuses these days. But yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're just... Omnibuses, I always say the same thing to people when they come into the store. They're an expensive initial outlay, but when you break down what you get for it, you know, it's it's more than worth it to have that lovely edition and to have a complete, you know, there's no trying to, you know, source different editions or search down single issues, that kind of thing. So omnibuses are becoming more and more popular, I think, for that reason. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, just finishing off, looking through the book, you know, there's, there's some great trades hitting this month. You've got the second Jed McKay Moon Knight volume hitting. You've got... Ron Mars and Ron Lim, Silver Surfer Rebirth, Hitting Trade, you've got a lot of good stuff, Electro Black, White and Blood, Sabretooth, X-Men, there really is too much just to fit into just this podcast, so again, either check out the solicitations online or pop into the store and the books are there for you to flick through, so, oof, that is a big Marvel month, a big mm, Marvel month. It was bigger than I thought. Yep. And that's without mentioning everything. So that is Marvel done. So we will, as ever, then endeavor to finish off with our indie picks. And as I said in the intro, this is very much a month of image. There is some great stuff here from some of our favorite uh, creators. There's an addition to one of the, the most established comic universes of all time. And that is where we're going to start with Clementine Book One, an original graphic novel trade paperback. And this is essentially coming from the world of The Walking Dead. So for those who don't know, there was a sort of point and click adventure game based on The Walking Dead from Telltale Games. And the main character in that was Clementine. It was it didn't feature characters from the show. It featured characters uh, created specifically for that game but now they're branching out into what is being uh, released as a young adult graphic novel i always find young adult and walking dead don't really go together but anyway mm. so for this one it is written and drawn by tilly walden so 
Powerhouse creator Tilly Walden takes on the world of Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead. The trilogy of graphic novels marks uh, the debut of Clementine, star of the massively successful Telltale video game. In book one, Clementine discovers new allies, new rivals and new love. But as the group tries to build a walker-free settlement in an abandoned ski resort, they soon discover the biggest threat to their survival is each other. Now I have to say, this is the funniest listing I've seen in quite some time. They always have this little thing in the corner for image books saying, perfect for fans of. What do you think they say this is perfect for fans of? The uh, Walking Dead. The Walking Dead, yes. <laughs> Thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> so go figure that one out. But yeah, it's going to be an original graphic. As I say, 256 pages. Uh, it's going to be in black and white, a la the original Walking Dead graphic novels. And it's going to come in at a wee $15 price point. So yeah, if you're a fan of The Walking Dead and want to see a little bit more of an expansion of that world, that is definitely somewhere to go. So from there, we, as I say, will be mentioning titles from some of our favorite creators and you know i haven't talked about him enough this podcast so let's talk about chip sadarsky and we have a fully creator-owned title this is a, a title called public domain so this is written drawn and covered by the first issue is going to be a nice 40 pager as well this was essentially a title that was released through chip substack so substack is like a digital comic subscription service where you subscribe to certain creators and you get all of their content I do kind of wonder if maybe this whole Substack model hasn't been as successful as they initially thought because we're starting to see more and more of these books come into print. Or maybe it's just the creators themselves want to reach the print audience. But as I say, this is a Chip Zdarsky one. If you haven't had a chance, go on to his Twitter and he released images of uh, testimonials from other creators for this book. <laughs> Some of the funniest things you'll read. But uh, So for this one, it is Sid Dallas is responsible for pop culture's greatest hero, The Domain. But his sons, Miles and David, have a complicated relationship with both the creation and their creator. Can they convince their dad to fight for their family's legacy? This fun and heartfelt series written and illustrated by Eisner winner Chip Zdarsky, Sex Criminals and Daredevil, explores a wild alternative world where comic book creators aren't properly acknowledged or compensated for their creations. Crazy, I know. Hi, it's me, Chip. I'm writing the solicitation. So the guy just knows how to sell me a comic and uh, I will be all over that. Lovely. So from one creator we talk about all the time to another creator we talk about all the time with another new image series. Yes, sir. And that is The Closet. Uh, it is a June the 1st release um, and is a tale of existential familial horror by James Tinney IV, uh, obviously well known to us for a variety of things, uh, not least the Department of Truth. And Gavin Fullerton, who uh, was on uh, Declan Shelby's Bog Bodies. Says Tom is moving cross country with his family and dragging the past along with them. His son Jamie is seeing monsters in the bedroom closet and will not let them go. Sounds very interesting. Yeah, and once again, a slightly lazy thing of, for fans of Nice House in the Lake, I wonder why that is. <laughs> <laughs> and the horror found in Razor Blades. But yeah, I remember when we had Deck to the store for the sign-in a few weeks back, he mentioned Gavin Fullerton had a big project coming out soon. Uh, Gavin Fullerton, of course, worked with him in Bog Bodies. And that's obviously what this is. And, of course, the hardest working colorist in the business, Chris O'Halloran, of course, along for the ride. Mm -hmm. But for me, even in a month of Chip Zdarsky titles, James Tinney and the Fourth titles, Walking Dead-related titles, this is top of my list. 
This is a seven-issue miniseries for Image Comics from Daniel Warren Johnson. You may remember Daniel Warren Johnson as, you know, artist and writer of Beta Ray Bill recently, uh, writer and artist of my favorite graphic novel of 2020, which is Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Well, he's about to do even better. He's doing a wrestling book. Oh, yes, bring this on. Inject it into my veins. So this is called Do a Powerbomb. It's a seven-issue mini, as I say. The creator of Murder Falcon and Wonder Woman Dead Earth is launching a brand new limited series. Lana Steelrose wants to be a pro wrestler, but she's living under the shadow of her mother, the best to ever do it. Everything changes when a wrestling-obsessed necromancer asks her to join the grandest pro wrestling tournament of all time, which is also its most dangerous. This is basically pitched as the wrestler meets Dragon Ball Z. It just sounds absolutely insane. And the preview art looks class. This is... Oh, this is going to be title of the year contender type stuff. I can already tell. Uh, you're certainly excited about it. Remember I talked about how that was the sound of a man being really giddy talking about comics? Well, that's me being really giddy talking about comics. But yeah, <laughs> I think this looks great. So seven issue miniseries, do a powerbomb. Daniel Warren Johnson, get it on your pull list. Brilliant. Um, next up is one that looks uh, it looks really really interesting, but Jay Lee Art uh, and cover art always sort of attracts me anyway. Uh, written by uh, Robert Wyndham and Kelvin Mao. Uh, Jay Lee returns to create her own comics with his first new title since 1994, a seven-issue limited series. Seven Sons is The Fugitive meets The Book of Revelation. Uh, I've been enjoying Daisy a lot, that biblical horror, uh, so uh, maybe there's that in me as well. Delph. A young man who may be the second coming of Christ runs for his life as he attempts to learn the truth behind his existence. Interesting. Yeah, it looks really solid in terms of the preview art, for example. I mean, those splash pages look absolutely glorious. Really cool, interesting world building there. Again, going to be a seven-issue mini, as you say. So another one definitely look out for. And I didn't realize Jay Lee hadn't done any creator own work in, in quite so long, to be honest. So, since 94. I mean, his art, uh, his art, uh, I just was was fantastic through Marvel's adaption and uh, and addition to Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Uh, just throughout it, you know, so uh, that's that's where he he caught me. So yeah. always notice it. Caught my eye with uh, it was Batman Superman the New Fifty Two. It was really really interesting. He was the artist on that. Of course. Uh, so continuing on with the image gravy train this month. Uh, next up is Sins of the Black Fl Flamingo. This is a brand new number one. Going to be a five-issue miniseries uh, written by Andrew Wheeler, art by Travis Moore, and colours with from Tamara Bonville, who, of course, does the, the colours so effortlessly on Once in Future. So uh, for this one, I mean, it has me straight away by the first two words, occult noir. Mm -hmm. Miami Slee Sebastian Harlow is the black flamingo a flamboyant and narcissistic thief who gets his kick stealing mystic artifacts from the wealthy and corrupt of Miami's occult underground when his latest job leads him to his biggest score so far the hedonistic outlaw discovers something he wasn't looking for something to believe in uh, this looks great it's got some uh, blurbs from Kieran Gillen and there you go there's his name again Chip Zdarsky as mm -hmm. well it describes it as a supernatural-infused occult heist series that's best described as Hellblazer meets Midnight Mass. Perfect for fans of Lucifer. Preview art looks great. The setting of Miami is really interesting and colourful. And, yeah, occult noir. Uh, I'm in. Very nice. Very nice. Um, another one I know you'll be into uh, by uh, Charles Soule, Scott Snyder, and uh, Giuseppe Camancoli. Uh, is a return to Undiscovered Country with the Destiny Man special. Um, 
this is going to focus obviously on the greatest villain of the undiscovered country, that being the mysterious destiny man, the dark god of the plains, the conqueror who believes he is destined to rule the new America. Now in this special issue, we dive into the insanity of his past and learn why his ultimate destiny is to rule it all. Yeah, I mean, these one-shots have been really, really strong from Image recently, I think. I mean, you're, you're caught up in your pool now, so you'll have certainly read the Stillwater one, which I thought was, was fantastic. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Really, really good. I, I really liked it. I know I liked it maybe more than you, but I really liked the Noctera one as well. And like now, Top Bill? Yeah, now on Discover Country. I like that they're expanding these worlds through these one-shots, so uh, I'll certainly like a closer look at the Destiny Man. No problems there. So, yeah, there's other great stuff through the Image book. You know, you know, Joe Hill's Reign hits hardcover this month. You know, there's there's great series continuing, such as Bloodstained Teeth, Department of Truth, etc. But, uh, but we'll move away from Image because we could sit and talk about it all day long. And we'll move on to IDW and... This is one I'm getting a little bit of grief for because I didn't put it on the board in store. Um, now, there's a very good reason for it, though. IDW seems to have been relegated in the in the, in the previews, but it used to be yes. IDW was at the front along with Boom, Dark Horse, Image, and Dynamite. But now they've been put into the alphabetized smaller publishers range, which is why I didn't see this the first time I went through it, but Vicky's been giving me grief for not putting it on the board, and that is because it's Canto, and it's Canto Tales of the Unnamed World. So this is a brand new number one. It's going to be a couple of issues, I believe. Uh, David M. Boer's writing, Drew Zucker on art, and it's it seems to be uh, a little bit anthology-based. So the lovable knight Canto, his friends Falco and Richta, and their Malarex mount are returning to the Clockwork Kingdom. But to get home, they must cross a bridge guarded by a mysterious bard, his price, a story he's never heard in all the unnamed world. A phenomenal collection of stories by David Bohr and some of comics' top artists expands the world and adventure of the fan-favorite Canto series between Canto 2 The Hollow Men and Canto 3 Landhearted. So this is what I remember the guys when we interviewed them uh, referred to as a side quest book. So it'll be a couple of issues. Mm-hmm. Nice to see other artists play in that sandbox as well. So definitely one to look forward to. But not only did I miss that IDW title, I missed another IDW title. You surely did. Not one that you're terribly interested in i don't think but it certainly interests me um and whenever you talk about uh you know series doing sort of one shots to to build in that 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 world or that universe they've been doing a really good job of us during the star trek mirror war event um and in this case the spotlight turns on benjamin cisco the uh the captain of uh, in our universe of deep space nine uh and this one shot set in the mirror universe uh, of star trek the next generation uh, we expand upon the world of the Mur War, and when Benjamin Sisko was tasked with taking out Intendant Kieran Norris's political rival at a very public party, things quickly escalate from tense to dangerous when another figure from Sisko's past makes a dark appearance. I'm really enjoying the Mur War stuff, really enjoying it. Um, so uh, the the data one shot was was good, and I'm sure this one will be will be great too. Yeah, we've plenty of guys in store enjoying the Mirror War stuff. It's probably the most subscribed to Star Trek series I've seen so far uh, mm. in comics. So uh, people clearly just have a lot of affection for the the Mirror Universe. So yeah, that's Star Trek Mirror War Cisco one shot. So we'll move away from there and onto Legendary Comics. And this is one that we got a little bit of an insight into again in a recent interview, chatting with Christian Ward. He was telling us uh, a great story about how he was, you know, basically best buddies with Oscar Isaac throughout throughout lockdown and this was a project that they were working on that came out of lockdown it's a it's an original hardcover graphic novel called head wounds uh subtitled sparrow 
It's actually written by Brand Bucoletto and a couple of other ones. It's under the sort of banner almost of Oscar Isaac Presents and the main character seems to be based on his appearance and then Christian Ward is doing the art. So no one would call Leo a good person, much less a good cop. But when his best friend is shot in front of him, he wakes up with a hole in his own head that only he can see and a host of mysterious strangers calling on him for action. Most people go about their daily lives ignoring or unable to see the divine battle for good and evil raging around them, but it has just become very, very real for Leo. As angels and demons vie for the fate of humanity, he must choose a side or risk seeing everyone and everything he has ever known destroyed. As the stakes get higher and higher, as Leo sees the true faces of the people around him, he must decide, will he do what's best for him alone or follow a higher purpose? So yeah, this was a, a, a story idea, I believe, that Oscar Isaac had and he brought to Christian Ward and really wanted his visual style for it. And I wonder if this is the kind of thing where they're maybe trying to set it up for a movie, you know, maybe test the waters with the story. Similar idea to what Kenny Reeves has been doing with Berserker and stuff like that. It's almost a way of actors putting themselves into comics, which is it's kind of interesting, mm. actually. So one to keep an eye on there. So we move from there on, on to the world of Aftershock, who have not been relegated down the uh, the previews book in the same way as IDW. And that's because there are a couple of great-looking titles here. Yeah, absolutely. First from uh, Paul Tobin, uh, who was the writer of Bunny Mask and My Date with Monsters and artist Alberto Albuquerque. Uh, a verifiable math genius. Sorry, the book is A Calculated Man, number one. Uh, a verifiable math genius, Jack Beans used to run the numbers uh, for the Pinafore crime family until one day he ran them too well and concluded that the only way out of this life was in a casket or in witness protection. So he turned state's evidence and ran. Now the pinafores uh, are uh, out to their end, out to end their favourite accountant. Little do they know that Jack's skills with maths and his perfect memory have made him a better killer than they could ever have realised. What follows is a journey full of murder, mayhem, and mathematics. Um, so yeah, uh, this will be this will be interesting as uh, Paul Tobin and Alberto Albuquerque. Uh, Alberto Albuquerque was on Amazing Spider-Man and Savage Sword. They unleash a master of maths on a mission to eliminate a criminal empire for good. This sounds really cool. It also has a really nice Scarface-inspired cover by the look of it as well. But yeah, you don't mm. often hear about math geniuses being the uh, the sole heroes of comic books. So an interesting one to look forward to there. Uh, another one that caught the eye for Aftershock this month is Astronaut Down. This is a brand new series, number one, 32-page issue one. Uh, sci-fi horror so this is from writer james patrick and the artist is rubine who recently did a really good book for aftershock actually called search for hugh which was very heavily influenced by uh, asian cinema kung fu cinema very very good but uh yeah douglas spitzer wants to be one of the astronauts selected for the crucial mission pulitzer and just like astronauts like buzz aldrin and sally ride douglas is brave adaptable and self-sacrificing he's one of the program's best candidates but if he qualifies, Douglas won't be travelling through space. He'll be launched into alternate realities on a desperate mission to save Earth from a horrific crisis that has our world on the brink of extinction. Unfortunately, it's a mission where everything will go wrong, where Douglas's training and very humanity will be put to the test, and where a deep-seated secret could sabotage everything. Writer James Patrick, who did Kaiju Score, which I enjoyed, and Campisi the Dragon Engine, which you enjoyed, and artist Rubine Search for Who lead us on a perilous undertaking to save the planet from total destruction. So... Yeah, Aftershock are doing some really interesting things at the moment. It seems like there's at least one or two titles every month that, that catch the eye. Mm. 
So Aftershock then to Dark Horse, and this was one I picked out uh, primarily because of Roddy's influence. He's a big fan of a series called Haru Country, which I've never read myself, but he recommends very highly. And this is a new fantasy series written and drawn by uh, Haru County co-creator Tyler Crook. So this is a four-issue miniseries. This is called The Lonesome Hunters. So as I said, Tyler Crook is both writing and doing the art and doing covers. So from Russ Manning award-winning and Eisner-nominated Harold County co-creator Tyler Crook comes this supernatural fantasy about lost power and destiny. An old and out-of-practice monster hunter in hiding crosses paths with a young girl that forces him to confront these chaotic creatures. As the beasts invade their tenement, they set off on a supernatural road trip to stop these ancient evils in a story that explores the way that youth informs adulthood and how early traumas can haunt us in an old age. A coming-of-age fantasy adventure, the preview art looks great it sounds like a really interesting world uh i th- i'm really looking forward to that actually and I'm, i must give harrow country a, a go at some point to be honest so uh yeah lonesome hunters number one why don't you give us a couple more including i'm really looking forward to your description of the second one of these <laughs> first up from titan comics uh we have blade runner black lotus number one which is set after the events of the blade runner black lotus anime series Elle, a.k.a. Black Lotus, hopes she could leave behind her violent past and find a new life. But is that possible in a world where replicants are still hunted and feared? Expanding the world of Blade Runner with a new type of replicant. Um, It's by Nancy A. Collins and Enid Balam. I don't know much about the Black Lotus anime series. Uh, I don't know much about either of the the creators. But it's Blade Runner, so I'll definitely give it a look. And that that cover uh, by uh, Jung Yoon Yoon uh, is fantastic. Yeah, Blade Runner Black Lotus, but why don't you tell us what we really want to talk about from Source Point Press. It's the most anticipated official sequel of all time. <laughs> yeah, quite. It's uh, sacrilegious. That is Bible 2, uh, <laughs> to give it its full name. Bible 2, Heal to the King of the Jews, baby. Um, Jesus Christ is back, and he's not crucifying around. In the official sequel to 2000 years of 2000 years in the making it's time to put the sin back into synagogue this looks mental uh looks absolutely crazy it's written by zm thomas with art from new york times uh number one best-selling artist amelia Wu. um and i <laughs> i don't know i don't know what to make of it but you couldn't not mention it no i mean the cover has jesus on the back of a pink unicorn who has pride colored feathers shooting laser beams out of his eyes with two machine guns in his arms it's just the use of the word official in capital letters that just really gets me it's just superb looking stuff um at one stage here there's some preview pages jesus rises from the the cave i guess um is resurrected and he says to to the, the the remaining um lads he hangs out with um, quickly to your horses because it's time to kick some Roman ass and they're like my lord you'll you'll never make it in time he goes oh ye of little faith watch this rocket sandals ignite the best part of that statement was the lads he hangs around with when talking about disciples disciples was the <laughs> word I was looking for let's be honest we don't need to sell you on this one you either know if this is right up your street or if this is the most blasphemous thing in the world Uh, but again 
Only in comics. Only in comics. So yeah, that was the Bible volume uh, one. Hail to the King of the Jews, baby. The um, Bible two, volume one. Or the Bible two, volume one. Sorry. Uh, and then we just finish off one last one. I'm going to mention, and that is from Vault Comics. And again, Vault have been doing some great stuff recently. I think. Uh, so this one is a series called Mindset. This is a, a brand new number one. I've seen the previews pages for this, and it looks absolutely trippy as anything. So for this one, the uh, it's by Zach Kaplan and John Pearson. And for that, it is uh, Choice is a Delusion. When an introverted tech geek accidentally discovers mind control, he and his friends do something unexpected. They put the science into an app to help users break their technology addictions. But as their mindset app achieves a dangerous cult following, lies, conspiracies, and murder come to light, are they helping people or are they actually controlling them? It has a little blurb from Michael Marecki, who's the writer of Barbaric, which was a great series, saying, Thrilling, sharp, and funny all at once. This is the sci-fi we read night now. Critical, but also so damn engaging. So, yeah, the co- there's even a, a variant cover B by Martin Simmons, who, of course, is the artist on Department of Truth. And again, I've seen previews pages for this, and it looks pretty fantastic. So, yeah. Sounds pretty interesting. So that is our odyssey through all of the previews books uh and who knew we were going to finish off with the bible too but oh that just looks insane um but yeah as i say so that is the april previews books uh so these are the titles predominantly coming out in june uh orders are due by the 15th of april if you do miss that date it's not a huge deal we'll always get chances to top up the titles but you know pre-ordering at the earliest opportunity is always the 100 percent uh, most guaranteed way to make sure you get these titles on release day cover price and first print as well so as ever i hope this has proved useful to you uh otherwise would you have known about the bible too i think not uh Mm -hmm. but as ever anything appeals to you just get in touch with the store we'll get titles added to pull lists or get you set up with one should you need it so uh and again all these books are in store so if you ever just want to call into us and you have a spare 10 to 15 minutes and want to sit down with a cup of joe and have a little look through them that option is always there as well so my thanks as always to my co-host keith for your uh infinite knowledge on the marvel universe and your infinite enthusiasm about the bible number two i still can't believe that's the title i'm pushing the most here <laughs> it's not not <laughs> only in comics as i say anyway as ever thanks to keith thanks to you guys for listening and uh, i'll look forward to seeing you in the store soon so uh take it easy out there guys and thanks again so i've been alan taylor and this has been keith miller you can find alan in store at coffee and heroes and on twitter where alan is at coffee and heroes one and i'm a scanny son zero zero coffee and heroes is a local comic book shop coffee shop and community hub in northern ireland based at smithfield market in the center of belfast you can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.